0: Welcome back to Off Record On Point, the workplace culture podcast with a twist, with a little bit of the real feels. And it's my pleasure to be one of the co-hosts of this podcast. I'm Julia Linehan, CEO and founder of The Digital Voice.
1: And I'm Casey Long. As always, we're touching on some under-discussed and sensitive topics in this show. So check out the description for resources you might want to read as you're listening along. On today's episode, we're joined by the wonderful Simon Reed, CRO at Multilocal. Here's a sneak preview of what's in store for you.
2: It's good to realize that there's people behind it all, rather than it's just this company to this company, that there's actually human beings attached. And that's what helps build trust and help build longer, more strategic partnerships.
1: We've covered off some of like the obvious qualities that you would want in a salesperson. You want someone that's a little bit out there that can connect with people that people want to work with and are enjoyable to be around. But what qualities would you look for sort of outside the obvious?
2: I think, you know, the days of salespeople being one dimensional is, is long gone. It is, you need people that have got a huge depth.
0: Say what you do and say it clearly and simply. Uh, Don't tell me what my problem is. Say that there is a problem in, say, the industry and that you are able to have found experience and success in solving that.
2: Tick, tick, tick. You know, in economic downturns, expecting significant growth is is a lot harder to achieve.
0: Is there anything you can give away without giving away everything of why your sales team works? What is it?
2: Uh, there's, There's this kind of belief that, that sales is some sort of rocket science. It it really isn't. It's just do it really, 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 really well. Don't tell everybody
1: that. (laughs) I've made a career out of selling. The topic for today's episode is a CRO's survival guide. Julia, what's the lowdown? Tell us everything. Why are we diving into this today?
0: So I was having a quick think about why we decided uh, Simon would be perfect for this. And I think it's about the fact for me, a CRO's role is the front line? It's probably one of the toughest ones, one of the most rewarding, one of the most exhilarating, but one of the most challenging. But we'll see if Simon agrees with me. But it felt like in the current climate, this was a strong place to start. And it, and I think um, I'm interested to know how much these have been affected by. The economics and the climate, and if it's similar to a CMO where the average lifespan is about 18 months, I want to see if that plays out with the CRO's role. So, we've got tons of questions that we're going to throw in lots Simon and lots to cover. Yeah, absolutely. But enough from us, enough from me twaddling on. Let's welcome our guest, Simon Reed. Simon, great to have you with us. Hello, Simon. Good
2: morning. How are
0: you? I'm buzzing actually we really are excited hey again I know this is going to be funny
2: fingers crossed
0: <laughs> so I'm I'm going to follow on from what I was just saying so I think it's a tough role and I think there's um to to a lot of extent a CRO what do they call it It's says like a, the c-level ejection seat the CMO and the CRO that's often... all <laughs> I've never heard that before that's scary not to scare the bejesus out of you but it's either a, a pattern of firing or quitting within 18 months. And and I wondered what you thought about that and how you remain a CRO for the long term.
2: Well, I, I've been enrolled for about eight months. So I'm, I, I, <coughs> I'm,
0: <coughs> Ten months, I'm kind top. of
2: hoping uh, that I'm not in, ejection, in an ejection seat. Um, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I mean, it, it, it can be a challenging role, um, but it's also, I think you touched on it in your introduction, it is an incredibly rewarding role. I mean, the job, is very clearly defined by measurement you have to deliver revenue and profitable revenue and there's clearly a target on your and your your team's heads so basically to be successful you need to overachieve that amongst lots of other things um and you know but that's part of why it's an exciting exciting role is because you've got those targets you, you've got to achieve them
0: yes is it, is it harder now? than say i don't know god what we've been through you've been through it really in the last few years is it is it tough now
2: no it it is harder um because there's less money in market and everyone is fighting harder you know for that for that for that revenue but you know if you've got a good team that's motivated if you've got a good product you know you're taking out that actually helps customers and clients solve their business challenges and needs you know, there's a place for you. You just have to run at the wall harder. But um, it also makes it um, it also makes it more pleasurable when you win. Um, and if you if you put all the time in now, you know cycles happen, right? So it will get to the point where the good times come again, and um, then you're in a better place because you've made all that effort, you've put all that time and energy in, and then you'll yield that those results later. But I mean, multilocal is quite unusual. We're one of the few people that seem to be having quite a lot of success at the moment. I mean, we are significantly up year on year, about fifty-five percent, which is you know fairly fairly major. But again, that that's largely to do with we're, we're solving problems for you know our clients and our agencies. So, if you've got something good that what that's needed and works, then it will be okay. But it is it is there's a bit more treacle.
0: Simon, you mentioned there you, you've given away a little bit of your secret sauce that so the team run at a wall, but it's also about the fact that multi-local is actually solving problems and, and providing solutions, and that's why you're bucking the trend. It's got to be more than that. Is there anything you can give away without giving away everything of why your sales team works? What is it?
2: We spend ages you know, recruiting people we think are perfect, that have got that energy and, and enthusiasm and spark, and, and that's – what helps running at the wall because in multi-local we're not only we're a relatively new business to market we're also quite a new solution and curation so you need to have a sales team with a real energy
1: so it feels like all the technical stuff that you guys work on when you're in those sales roles when you're in a cro role like yourself sales overseeing sales teams is it still that you know be kind be human and and leading empathetically would you say those things have all stayed consistent and still ring true
2: Yeah, i mean we certainly want decent people that uh, have intelligence and empathy and and a, and a good people to do business with um we certainly want all that i mean ultimately we just need to be better than all of the competition hmm. if you are you know more timely if you are quicker on responses if you're understanding the problems that clients have better then you will succeed better i mean i i there's this kind of belief that, that sales is some sort of rocket science. It, it really isn't. It's just do it really, 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 really well. Don't tell everybody that. <laughs> I've made a career out of selling. Do your job really well. And you know, if you've got a decent product and offering um, and proposition, then there is no reason why you can't survive, can't buck trends. I mean, it, it it is challenging out there, right? You see a lot of big companies and some of their reports, the financial reports, have not been great. I don't want to call them out specifically specifically here. But, you know, you have to start questioning, are you approaching things correctly? The joy of our company is we're still you know, relatively small. It's about 150 people globally. You know, we can be nimble. So we can we can move and adjust quickly and we're not sort of stuck in a way of doing things. Um, You know, obviously, there's all the rigor on numbers and forecasting and all that sort of stuff that you would expect of a sophisticated sales operation. But it's people-led, 100%, people by people.
0: I would call multi-local and others that are doing well. You're doing well because you're not beholden to the suits, you're not beholden to the numbers. Mm. or Those that have have decided to go on an IPO, um, again, naming no names, aren't exactly having a good time of it. And I think there's a lot of people, there is this feeling within companies that you've got to, that the elixir is this ipo and i i disagree as somebody who's a, a independent i see their value in that that i know james you robin dan you get to make the rules that's got to play a part
2: it, it, there is there is a luxury that you have by having no p and VC money yeah. in the business where you can make decisions that you think are right for the long term of the business that's, you know, that's 100%. The other the other point I would kind of add in is there's a lot of, the, the CRO needs to be very, uh, needs to be setting the expectations of the business. There's a lot of companies out there, um, certainly multi-market ones, potentially led from the US, where the expectations aren't, aren't right and realistic, which then creates a whole host of problems as they cascade down and targets are being, you know, missed. You, you need to be growing and you need to be, growing as much as possible, but you have to have an element of realism about what you're asking people to achieve. Um, You know, in economic downturns, expecting significant growth is is a lot harder to achieve.
0: I think that's what makes it really interesting that I think the salespeople are the unsung heroes. Now, salespeople... I'm going to, I'm going to offend so many people here. We're on a par with the, with recruitment consultants and estate <laughs> agents as as The pecking order of, of not, of going, yeah. Whereas I've been a salesperson since, as I say, coming into my 30th year. I'm born and, I was, I wanted it. I wanted to work in media sales. I actually love it and in the quick fire round, just to give you a heads up, Simon, you're you're gonna experience what I the exact interview questions I was asked thirty years ago. But I loved it. I can get why other people weren't jumping at the jumping at the bit to get into sales, but it's not perceived as an industry you wanna go really proudly declaring I'm a salesperson. I say bullshit to that because I think it's really exciting. What I think needs is, is the training. It's training, it's, it's that find out, show how. It's understanding that you need to ask the questions and then you need to show why you can solve a problem. That's my way of doing it, what's yours?
2: I think it depends on what you're selling. If you're selling something that solves problems and makes people's lives better and easier, gives them better performance, helps their businesses grow, that's not a bad job to be in. If you're selling something you don't believe mm. in, then it falls onto the lower end that you describe with you know those other professions that can be. And, and there's good and bad in every profession.
1: Yeah, lovely professions. All respect. To be fair, to I'm going to get yeah. absolutely <laughs> fired um, by Ed There is a good friend of mine.
2: But, but but I think I think if you're selling something that you believe in and you think is adding value and and you know something's going to make things better, that's not a bad job to be in. And you know, it's, you know, there's an education piece, there's a relationship piece, there's a solving problem piece. And and that's kind of how I see sales.
1: You're segueing into a question that I would actually like to put to both of you guys unintentionally. Oh, go on, Casey. So Julia talks about the question she was asking that her interview way back when or not way back it was it was very recent and Simon it was pretty much way back Simon, <laughs> we've covered off some of like the obvious qualities that you would want in a salesperson you want someone that's a little bit out there that can connect with people that people want to work with and are enjoyable to be around but what qualities would you look for sort of outside the obvious and Currently, apart from all the fun questions that we're going to hear later, what do you think the process of finding them is, and what really contributes to their success being on a wonderful team like Multilocal or anywhere? Oh,
2: good question. So, so they've got the energy, they've got the personality. Um, it's useful if they have a network that they've worked previous places before, so they can tap into that relatively quickly. Numerate um, and an ability to kind of tell a story and an ability to problem-solve. You know, the days of it being, you know, just a print ad someone's trying to sell, to it being a tech solution which is multifaceted, you know, bringing in, you know, data inventory in different ways for different platforms, there's a lot of technical know-how. Like, the sophistication and uh, your understanding of what you're doing and what the market needs has had to move on significantly. I think, you know, the days of salespeople being one-dimensional is long gone. It is, you need people that have got a huge depth um, and can and can solve problems, really, but really we 've always kind of at the same time we 've always been solving problems in, in another way, you know so it's people that can think on their feet as well, um, but it all really comes back to being you know decent human beings
0: and you mentioned it people by people, and I think that this is where this is where sales automation and oh my God, LinkedIn is doing my head in because this is. I've, I've never seen such a deluge in, in 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 inbox spam, but done so badly. You don't know me, so don't be over-familiar. You've got it wrong. You haven't researched my company. You're clearly it's spam. You're also immediately going for the, can we jump on a call? Can we have a video call? Please don't do that. I, you have to sell something to me first. You have to at least put what you're talking about. So my inbox and my LinkedIn is just becoming – is inundated and I think everybody is feeling that. And we go about the bad reputation of salespeople. Well this is what's doing it injustice. In and it's also it's really I think it's giving a bad name to sales automation because that has its place in it. Um I, I'm wondering what you've seen, Simon, are you feeling it?
2: So I think the first thing is I think LinkedIn as a platform is phenomenal. Yeah. And um, incredible incredibly like so that first thing is they're amazing at that. The constant emails from people i don't know that don't know me that don't understand what i do i probably get 90 emails a week of people that are going to tell me that they're going to revolutionize my business
0: but you need to hop on a call
2: <laughs> i mean it's, it's cold sales isn't it no one likes being cold called no one likes being cold emailed but you know that that's the role that, that person has been put in and that is their vehicle to do so so i've got sympathy for them because Constantly sending out emails that no one's responding to must be quite soul-destroying.
1: But if they were solving problems like you mentioned, Simon, wouldn't you be a lot more amenable to
2: taking that call, potentially? If they understood what we do and they can genuinely offer a solution that will help, then I'm genuinely interested. Unfortunately, not one of them has ever been that today.
0: So, salespeople are the easiest to sell to. So, I'm really easy to sell to because if someone's selling good, really well to mm-hmm. me, I'm I'm buying. And I'm I'm well known for suddenly saying to the team, "Oh, if somebody's emailed me about a solution. Oh God, I'm gonna. I shouldn't say this. This is gonna.
1: I'm gonna get it. <laughs> "Okay,
0: she's it's easy to sell to." Sugar. Um, but I honestly have. I've gone, yeah, but am I'll buy. It's all about. To talk to me in a tone that you talk to me down a in a coffee shop with. That's number one. So don't change the way your language is. Don't say what you do and say it clearly and simply. Uh, don't tell me what my problem is. Say that there is a problem in, say, the industry and that you are able to have found experience and success in solving that tick, tick, tick. There's, there's all those things. And it's saying, and don't ask for my time immediately. Don't ask for a video call. Say that you're willing to just really give a wrap up of why you think you've identified me as uh, and the digital voice as something that this could work for. You see what I mean? It's just that politely, succinctly, the kiss factor of keep it short and simple. Yes, please, I'm buying.
2: I would agree with what, the end part of what you said. The first Ooh. part, I don't think salespeople are easy to sell to at all. I think they're the the. Oh, really? Exception.
0: <laughs> Did you say I'm exceptional, or just an <laughs> that's what I, heard. I don't know whether <laughs> I'm hearing
2: wrong. You're you're a you're, you're a wonderful anomaly. <laughs> I mean, I spent 10, before my, my my long sales career, I had a long career in agencies, so actually understanding what they need, like from the cold face really helps in terms of how you position things
0: so i'm gonna we're here we're gonna we're gonna disagree right i've always said you're either on the buy side or the sell side and you never move sides and i worked on an agency for seven weeks i was terrible at it because i didn't get it i was telling the clients they were wrong and i was coming and i was way too in your face with it and it was supposed to be this gentle approach and as you know gentle and quiet not working <laughs> Don't watch me. I was awful and I went skipping back to my side, the sell side. And I'd, I've never known somebody do buy and sell. Are you
1: that? Are you the exception? And how are you the exception to that?
2: Am I an exception? No, I think there's, I think a number of people, certainly in the, I, I, I think if you, it depends how far you rewind back. So if you go back to so 20 years, it was pretty uncommon. But certainly in the past 10 years, you've seen a lot more agency people migrate over to a media side i i I think there are i can think of 20 off hand of senior um people in sales organizations that have come from an agency background and it's good to have an understanding of both sides and they both have different pluses and minuses you know in agencies you're permanently having like this firefighting every day for a different crisis that's always happening um And then, a medium aside, they're kind of bigger problems, but they don't need to be solved that day. You've probably got a couple of weeks to get it right.
0: I think that's interesting. Well, maybe I'll change my perception. I think you maybe hit the nail on the head, you said, 20 years ago. And probably this was 20 years ago I worked as an on the agency. And I also saw.
2: I don't believe you're that old.
0: <laughs> so I saw people try. And I I had people come. When I worked at the Mirror, I had people from agencies coming to me. And they'd been so used to. If you imagine in the 90s and the early 90s people were wines and dined at agencies. And they were, you know, they basically could they were really treated very, very well. I think it was a different time. Um, and then they had to come to the hard face, which is sales, where people don't take your calls. And you do have to really work hard. And you, you're not always treated particularly well. And you haven't got people kissing your ass. It's a completely different approach. I think it's different now. I think agencies have it. It's so hard. It's one of them. I have to all respect people at agencies because it's, it's huge pressure. As you said, you're firefighting all the time and you're no longer, they don't seem to Get all the the jollies. They don't even seem I wish more agencies were allowed to go to Cam, were allowed to experience things. All of those things that led on that I felt made it worth the hard graft that agencies have to go through.
1: Better work hard, play hard.
2: I, I I don't disagree with that. I mean it still does happen, but just not to the extent that it that it did. Um no and, and lunch is an important tool. You know, you, you it's difficult to trust people until you've broken bread with them, has always been my my thinking. And it's good to realise that there's people behind it all, rather than it's just this company to this company, That there's actually human beings attached. And that's what helps build trust and helps build longer, more strategic partnerships.
0: Well, actually, talking about that, because you talk about the human side, one of the other disappointing things I've seen recently has been the hiring and firing. And actually, interestingly enough, when, when times are, are tough, people have been laying off two groups very bizarrely, those spending the money and those making the money. Now, the the spending the money is the marketing teams. So I can get that. We've got to tighten up our belts, even though that marketing is making the company money and in turn, bringing people to the door and noticing them. What I found even weirder is the people making the money are also being called. Now, I understand people do it to clear out their books, to make them look ready for buying. But do you think there's a little bit of element of people have suddenly forgot these are humans behind the hiring and
2: firing? I worry that a lot of companies, um, you know, say that they are a family, and they really you're really just a number. I mean, that's not how multi local is um, at all. Um, I mean, it is a lot of it is tidying house. Some of it is about share price. Certainly with some of the bigger players, you know, that have fairly deep pockets, they've also had multiple teams that are double counted on mm-hmm. their revenue numbers. So it could be like a client team with an agency team. And Unfortunately, sure. when targets aren't being hit, you know, they they have to unfortunately put trolls at risk yeah so there has to be something that's done and obviously unfair on the person at risk or that you know is made redundant when they've done nothing but work hard um and deliver on what they've been tasked to do but Again, it's it's balancing the books. You call it
1: on that because we know for a fact that multi local is not like that. They are one of the loveliest places and have a wonderful team to work with. I think so. <laughs> it's been a pleasure for <laughs> it's been a pleasure for us to see the team continue to grow and to continue to be able to work with so many of them that we have from the start. What do you think is the secret for multi local and why are you guys continuing to Knock on wood, anyway. Grow and maintain the success.
2: We've got a load of, a load of really bright people doing really clever stuff. Everyone's really different. I mean, it's the pe, it's just the people, right? Why is it a special place? It all comes down to people. Everyone's different. Everyone's given enough space to to go and excel. Mm. You know, to get through the interview process. You know, it's it's quite difficult to do. Um, and we really spend a lot of time making sure that they bring something different that they're a genuinely decent human being. And that's who we want to work with, obviously. Present company a bit of an exception, but everyone else there, I can actually guarantee, is. <laughs> is um... <laughs>
0: you, you, you mentioned that's interview that's process, that's <laughs> that's so you, I think, would fly at the interview process that you currently do now. But we wanted to test you out with something. This is totally for our pleasure and our and our listening audience's pleasure.
2: Do I need to be scared about this?
1: Maybe things? get like like a water or something for your nerves.
2: Do well, I have to answer each question? Or
1: Yeah, if you want to join my team. So, so for everybody listening,
0: back in 1995, um, when I went for my media sales interviews, and a lot of people there, there are still people around that were like me. You'd go to the big publishing houses of Centaur, Haymarket, Dennis Publishing. Dennis was where I landed at. And you would get a group interview, and then, an, and then a second interview would be, um, again, inane questions asked. It's all about how quick you could answer some absolute nonsense. So I thought it'd be funny for us, less for you, to answer <laughs> the one, two, three, four, five,
2: six, seven. 2, Wonderful. Already, already excited. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I'm really excited and pumped. OK, are you ready, Simon? So welcome to the interview. You're you're here for a roll at the Digital Voice as our
1: chief salesperson Alonso like, Casey, are you excited? I'm ex- I'm I'm thrilled to be interviewing you today, Simon. It will be a pleasure to have you on the team. <laughs>
0: so Casey's gonna be listening to the answers and we'll decide if you get it. Are, <laughs> are you ready? Are you set, Simon?
2: I, I'm feeling deeply comfortable. Um ready to go.
0: <laughs> Perfect. If you were in a hot air balloon, who would you want to be stuck with?
2: Hot air balloon. Um, are we at a festival, are a balloon like festival, like that one in Turkey.
0: <laughs> in the interview, we well, didn't get a specified location, Simon. You don't get to ask questions.
2: Um, I will put my wife and two children in there, so we can share the amazing experience.
0: <laughs> that's a very good answer. Wonderful. <laughs> that, I would tell you that's nice. Look, the, the, there is a softer side to Simon Reid. Amazing. Okay. Which three famous people would you like at your dining table? Uh, and you can choose famous industry people, or they can be just generic famous people. This all tells us something cool. about you.
2: Yes. I will say uh, the the cast of 8 out of uh, 10 cats does count down. That's amazing. That is good. They're they're, they're all hilarious. Bring Sean Locke Do you know
0: what? So far, he's doing well, Casey. This is a good indication he would be an excellent salesperson. I'm liking it so far. You're liking it. You're doing well. Right. Number four, what animal would you be and why?
2: What animal would I be?
0: And then I'm going to tell you mine.
2: Um, I will go for an eagle so I can get in the sky. And I'll go for a dolphin so I can get in the sea.
0: Oh, mine was when I got asked this 30 years ago. I said, I'd be a goldfish, so I'd lose my memory every 10 seconds and I'd never be bored. The One of the girls in the group interview that got asked that, said, I'd be a wasp so I could sting people. <laughs> no, I'm bold, you oh didn't my get job. So that's why we ask these questions, because it, it's really telling as to what people say. Right, next question. You're out for lunch with clients. Do you order a soft drink, a beer or a wine? Uh. Ooh. Uh, I will go... It's Thursday.
2: (laughs) That makes a difference. It's Thursday.
0: Or Friday.
2: It's going to be a long lunch. So... um... Let's go for red wine, a nice, a nice Bordeaux. Oh, lovely.
0: By the way, the reason that question was asked back in the 1990s, if you said soft drinks, you wouldn't get a roll. And <laughs> I'm now obviously involved in running spill, and I'm very, very sorry for all those I interviewed that I discounted because of their sobriety. Terrible. We've moved on from there, luckily. Uh, next question. This is a really important one we used to do as a quick fire round then. What do you think a salesperson should use more, email, phone, or video? And what do you prefer? Uh,
2: none of the above in person in person
0: nicely done he's doing very well final one and this this was not a question i got last this is just one especially for you simon reed emojis discuss your hatred for them
2: (laughs) i i I don't think i hate them i i think that i just don't see a place for them in in the business or professional world um it basically might indicate like a lack of vocabulary
0: So many social media experts hearts are breaking.
2: For children, um, absolutely fine. My kids use them. You know, hashtag smiley face.
1: (laughs) There's no hashtags and emojis on that hashtag bombshell. Shh, that's a drop mic emoji moment. Casey, did he get the job? Uh, Congratulations, Simon. It will be our pleasure to extend a formal offer to you. Please watch your inbox for the email following this podcast recording.
2: We need need to negotiate um, on salary as well. Well,
1: we're we're pretty tough on negotiating and there's no way you're not accepting, so... Yeah, you're an honorary member. Oh, amazing. Oh, well done. Thank you very much, Simon, for being such a good sport. Thank you so much. And for those of you listening, remember to check out our website for all the information and resources on this episode and to find out where you can keep up with Simon after the show.
0: Thanks, Simon. I knew you'd be an absolute sport. And and honestly, I think that one of the takeaways ways for me, and although we, we made light of it there, I want everybody out there who is in a workplace and is currently in a sales role to just just elevate themselves. Sit up a little bit and preen for a minute and give yourself a big pat on the back. Because what you do is is tough and it's at the cold face of our industry and it's what's actually driving it. You are the people that are making the money. You're those that are keeping companies alive and other people in jobs. And it is one of the tough. You get knocked down day in, day out and pick yourself up. So from my side, I think it's um I wanted to put that out there. Simon, any parting shot for you?
2: Um, no, well, thank you for thank you for inviting me for the chat. Um, parting shot will be um, sellers are good people. <laughs> yeah,
0: that they are. Love it. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Off Record On Point. Next week we'll be joined by the one and only Jules Kastenskild, head of mentoring and co lead of neurodiversity at Bloom. We're going to be diving into all things toxic workplaces and how to avoid them. But until then, I'm Julia Linehan.
1: And I'm Casey Long. Enjoyed the conversation? Reach out and let us know by rating and reviewing on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform, mine's Spotify. And be sure to follow to never miss an episode.
0: Don't forget, you can also stay connected with us at www.thedigitalvoice.co.uk and
1: across all of our socials. Just look out for The Digital Voice. Please join us again next time for another undercover industry deep dive, all off record and always on point.